Did you know that basketball was invented by a Canadian? That is right. A Canadian born <laughs> a Canadian born doctor and physical educator named Dr. James Naismith invented the sport in in 1891 at the YMCA in Springfield, Massachusetts, where he coached a young player named LaBernie Sanders, who went on <laughs> to become the senator from Vermont. It's a true story. Hmm. Yeah, it's an odd shot hmm. at an odd moment. LaBernie Sanders? Was it like a mashup of LeBron yeah. and Bernie? Was it the picture looked like him? Or? I, I don't think there was a vid- visual element to it okay. either. Yeah. It's an odd joke. Hmm. Anyway. I'd like to thank everybody who emailed us a link to the fine story in the Los Angeles Times uh, by Steve Lopez, who's a terrific columnist. Rats at, this is your headline, rats at the police station, filth on L.A. streets, scenes from the collapse of a city that's lost control. Hmm. And we can get uh, more into this another time. Uh, It's the West Coast bum explosion. It's just astounding. One of the main focuses uh, of the story is all of the rat-borne Middle Ages diseases that are back in L.A. County now. And it's, A, amazing. B, gross. Middle Ages like a guy in his 50s? No, no. More like uh, the year 1200, Jack. Oh. Uh, the Dark Ages. The disease ages. Because I'm suffering from Middle Ages diseases. The, uh, the, <laughs> tell me about it. The, uh, the pictures in the article are just astounding. We'll have that link for you under hot links at armstrongandgetty.com. It's already up. Beautiful, Hansen. You're way ahead of me. Um, but I, I liked a couple of signs. The city of Los Angeles, uh, a couple of sentences, rather. Uh, the city of Los Angeles has become a giant trash receptacle. It used to be that illegal dumpers were a little more discreet. Now city streets are treated like dumpsters or even toilets. Then they um, uh, street cordoned off after someone dumped a fat load of poop on the street. I'm not sure when any of this became the norm, but it must have something to do with the knowledge you can get away with it. Every sure. time sanitation sure, crews... Yeah, ask Rudy Giuliani how it got started. Uh, every time sanitation crews knock down one mess, another dump site springs up nearby. And then just picture after picture. And, and they're as- astonishing. And uh, it's sick. And listen... You ask three different people to explain it, you get three different answers. Um, And certainly our more progressive listeners despise it when I say this, but there are no red cities with these problems. There are no cities that prize law, order, compliance with the law, uh, serious enforcing of dumping ordinances, the rest of it, that have these problems. Dump all you want. I hope you dump a lot. There's the president. Um, (laughs) That's pretty funny, Michael. Uh, Der, D, what was I going to say? Oh, the the argument is, no, the rent is just too damn high in California. Nobody can afford to live in the cities. You know, then move. That's that's the you're you're an organism. You have self determination. I've done that a couple of times in my life where I moved because I couldn't afford to live where I was. Right, but or I didn't move to a place because it was too expensive for me. One thing that socialism absolutely depends on is you've got to crush the idea. And George Will wrote about this over the weekend. You've got to crush the idea of individualism and individual initiative and the possibilities and and dreams and the rest of it. You got to crush that. You got to make people understand you're dependent on the state. Any happiness you have will come through the government. Any wealth you have, any any achievement you have, it all depends on the collective. Uh, it's very important. But more important than that still is the fact that rats are running rampant and assessing where rats fall on the list of the deadliest animals. 
Which animals kill the most people? Oh, I know this one. You you think you know, and you're right. Uh, but, <laughs> but, amidst the usual suspects and the obvious, if you're into science at all, mosquitoes. It's it's disease bearing animals like rats that kill lots and lots of people. So um, it's not angered baboons. But there are some surprising animals represented in this list, Jack. Angry baboons, perhaps. Stay tuned. Uh, so, oh, oh, the shark attack story getting a tremendous amount of attention. Number one, because all shark attacks do, for some reason. Number two, because dad punched the shark in the face over and over again till it yes. let his daughter go. She lost is, her leg. Well, yeah, she's That's in rough. terrible shape, but she gets to live. And you know what? I tell you what. Do you know why shark attacks are up? No. Because the seal uh, and and um, seal and what's the other beast? Seal. Sea lion. Seal, sea, sea lions, otters. Right. All those beasts are way up. So conservation uh, strategies have really worked in increasing the population of a lot of your beasts mm-hmm. that were suffering. And now, because we got way more of them, there's a heck of a lot more sharks getting closer to the beach because it's just an open buffet everywhere you go. Oh, it's like feeding the bears. And people are getting at. Yeah. Where there's food, the predator will come. That's right, Mitt. So, uh, number 15, sharks. Six deaths a year. Hardly worth mentioning. I'll be interested to see what's going to be this year. So, they've had a number on Cape Cod, and now they've got special first aid kits on the beach, and they've installed phones on the beach. So you can run the phone and say, hey, my uh, my girlfriend's getting eaten by a shark. Can anybody wow. do something about that? Wow. So, so you can call this shark-punching dad to come over. And, and, then, yeah. and then special... I, I got this. Take that and that and that. And special blood-stopping, sewing-you-together first aid kits just wow. for shark bites. Yikes. But they've never had before because they haven't had this many shark bites. My wife would be good at that because she loves sewing. Uh, she'd show up on the scene and say, <laughs> what kind of stitch do you want? Uh, I will tell you this, though, Jack. Uh, 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 Cape Cod, shark attacks. I was vacationing as a child in Cape Cod, and uh, and a crab pinched me on the foot, and I ran out of the water screaming. Not my finest moment. <laughs> but it might have been a shark. That was I was just being cautious. So where are we on the list here? We were number 10? Uh, 15, sharks. Okay. Six deaths a year. 14, wolves. Okay. 10 deaths a year. More people Still. die from wolves than sharks, and you never hear about wolf attacks. Almost, Isn't that something? Almost double the number. Yeah. So, yeah should be wolves, there should be more movies made about wolf attacks. Oh, Liam Neeson's. That one wolf movie. I'm going to remake Jaws. That one? Gray wolf, Gray white snow or yeah. something. I'm gonna, red blood. I'm going to remake Jaws, exactly the same plot and everything. It's just a wolf instead of a shark. Uh, people would be angry because wolves are endangered as well. Uh, that's gray. Uh, right, that's right. So wolves, close relative of the dog. The dog, stay tuned. Lions, 22 plus or minus deaths a year. Way multiples of sharks. Lion attack movies. There have been some good lion attack movies. It's funny. All this runs well, through Why the, is it about movies? I'm trying to save people's lives. All this runs through the filter in my head of how likely is this to happen to me or my kids. And so far... On. Not being in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or around wolves or lions, uh, no chance whatsoever. Right. Twelve. It's one of my favorite beasts on Earth. The fascinating heffalump. The elephant. What were lions? 22 deaths a year? Let's leap up to the elephant. With elephantine numbers, Jack, 500 deaths a year. Oh, 500. Wow. Oh, yeah. That makes sharks seem like uh, 
people who fall into the bathtub and hit their head. Right. Well, hell, people die like crazy that way. you got to come up with a different one. People who fall off cliffs taking selfies. There you go. Which is another big headline these days. To which I say, go ahead. God, getting stampeded (laughs) by an elephant would hurt. Anyway, go on. They they will stomp you into nothing. Uh, The elephant roughly tied with its relative, the hippopotamus, about 500 deaths a year. Okay. I've often heard that that is the most deadly uh, non-parasitic uh, animal. Uh, the hippo? But, yeah, the hippo. It, it's not, actually. But now we're into the uh, the parasites. Tapeworms, 700 deaths a year. Crocodiles. See, that one could happen to me. You could yes, get a tapeworm. You right? could get a tapeworm. Crocodiles. Was that a uh, that was a gator in that lady's kitchen, right? That got all all the attention online over the weekend. Eleven foot gator in this lady's kitchen in in Florida. That's way too big. Oh, thing is a monster. How did it get in her kitchen? Uh, she had like low windows. I mean, really low, oddly all low. Right? Well, you did. Yeah. Then you deserved it. <laughs> wow. Uh, so crocodiles about a thousand deaths. The Ascaris a thousand. Yes. But the crocodile is a punk compared to the Ascaris roundworm, about 4,500 deaths a year. What is that? It's a, it's a worm. I got it, worms. It, 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 it gets you in your small intestine. affects okay. more children than adults, sadly. Uh, the tsetse fly, 10,000 deaths a year. Uh, transmits sleeping sickness, uh, which sounds, sounds... Uh, miserable. Um, blah, blah, blah. All right. Uh, number six, the assassin bug. Never heard of it. 12,000 deaths a year carries Chagas disease. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to trust you're not making this up. Jack, they call it the kissing bug because it's have a, because of its habit of biting people on their face. Beta. Freshwater snails. 20,000 deaths a year. I could take a snail. It says you, tough in guy. In a fair fight. They carry a parasitic worm that infect people with the disease called unpronounceable. How do you... Schistosomiasis. Well, I told you it was unpronounceable. Like, I know mosquitoes bite me. That's how I get it. How does a snail... Inf- is this improperly prepared escargot or something? Uh, sure it is. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Uh, dogs, 35,000 deaths a year. Dogs specifically infected by rabies. Don't picture Marika. Okay. Picture the third world. Yeah. 35,000 deaths a year from rabid dogs biting people. Jeez. Snakes, 100,000 a year. Wow. Yeah. Keeping in mind that sharks, what are on the news all the time, six. 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 Not 60, 600,000. No. Six. Six is in half a dozen. Yeah. Six is in, I got these four fingers bit off, so this is all I can do. Right. (laughs) Snake bites kill more than 100,000 people a year. Uh, Humans, 437 deaths a year, homicides. I mean, we make snakes look like babies. You know, I tried to determine if what war added to that number because war is more or less an ongoing problem. Some years much bigger than others, obviously. But you've got to average that out and give credit to humans, credit, in quotes, for killing a certain number of people. But homicides, 437,000 deaths per year worldwide, hmm. which is a lot of murders. Yeah, that's um, So we get number two, again, um, even including wars, probably. Uh, but number one is the, the humble mosquito. There you go. Malaria itself is responsible for more than half of these 750,000 deaths a year, predominantly in sub-Saharan Africa. Speaking of moving, if you don't like where you live, if you live in sub-Saharan Africa, maybe try Saharan Africa or or even North Africa. <laughs> uh, dengue fever and uh, malaria. I'm surprised donkeys aren't on that list. <laughs> yeah. 
The most horrifying donkey attack ever caught on tape. Right. Well, they're rarely caught on tape, Michael, so it's difficult to nail down the numbers of deaths via donkey attack. You mentioned at some point... Or punch, for that matter. George F. Will <laughs> came up at some point here. Yes. He has got a new book out. He did an interview this morning. There are a couple of interesting comments from him on the state of politics today and the state of conservatism in America. But nothing useful on tapeworms. Coming up in just a few moments. Armstrong and Getty. You got a Twitter? So do we. Follow the Armstrong and Getty Show on Twitter at ANG Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You may notice that in my book, the name Donald Trump doesn't appear. Right. People say, why is that? And I say, well, neither does the name of Charlemagne or Doris Day or Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> None of them have anything to do with conservatives. I looked in the index for Doris Day. She's nowhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But she has as much to do with conservatism as the 45th president. So that's George F. Will, a conservative columnist for the Washington Post and writer of many books over many years. And he's got a new book out called The Conservative Sensibility that is said to be dense. Usually when they say dense, it means I'm probably not going to be able to read it. It's going to be very long and very complicated. Summary, please. He does not uh, talk about uh, Donald Trump at all. It's an argument about human history, epistemology, culture, religion, politics, and constitutionalism. Epistemology, is that uh, studying the nose, the ears, nose, and throat? It is an account of conservatism through history and uh, et cetera in the future and et cetera. Um, he's not a Donald Trump fan. He's been uh, anti-Trump uh, from the very beginning. Uh-huh. And um, so that'll rub some of you the wrong way. Um, he, George Will went on to uh, well went on to say this. He was on an interview this morning, which hopefully we'll be having him on soon to talk about this book. For all the talk about the discord in America, I'm much more terrified by the consensus. It's as broad as the Republic, it's as deep as the Grand Canyon, it goes from left to right, and it is this. We should have a large, generous, omnipresent, omniprovident welfare state and not pay for it. Everyone's agreed on that. The entire political class is invested in the process of giving the American people a dollar's worth of government and charging them 80 cents for it. And the public says, that's terrific, keep it up. So the idea that there's fundamental disagreement, I think the political class is more united by self-interest than it is divided by ideology. More united by self-interest than it is divided by ideology. I think that's unquestionably true. And the stupid, stupid media, which gets such a kick out of people yelling at each other in the pretend arguments, uh, misses that point completely. Mm Mm-hmm. That they are united in the idea of, we'll give you a dollar's worth of government for 80 cents. We all agree on that. And the other stuff he said. Just reforming society that everything should flow through the government, which to those of us who think otherwise is is not only bad policy, it's abhorrent. It, it's led to, the, you know, the horrors of history. When you become dependent on a government, on the powerful, you're doomed. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to pick good, powerful people and, and nice power with only the best intentions, and they will be in charge of everything, but they will bring us a utopia. So goes the uh, siren song. I will probably make a run at trying to read that book. Um, I did want to mention that he mentioned George Will. He was in the featured in the um, 
the interview section of the New York Times book review over the weekend, which I always like to read, and every once in a while they stumble upon an author uh, that I actually like. Um, but they ask him all kinds of questions. You know, what were your favorite books of all time? How did you start reading? Blah, blah, blah. What are mm-hmm. you into? What kind of, what do you like? Anyway, he was asked about uh, some of his favorite books or some of the best books out there, and he mentioned our own Tim the Lawyer uh, that we have on the show and have had on for many, many years, and Tim the Lawyer's book, Conscience of the Constitution, which is about the Declaration of Independence. A.K.A. Um, Tim Sandifer. Yeah. If you're into the whole last name thing. What books best capture your own political principles, they asked George Will. Well, he started with Aristotle's Politics and then The Federalist. Uh, which is a collection of uh, smaller stories. But he said after Aristotle, those two... Aristotle, what was he? He's the governor of Iowa, right? After, in, the, in the 30s? After those huh? two, he said, the speeches and writings of Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, then Harry Joffa's Crisis of a House Divided, which I have read, um, Hayek's The Constitution of Liberty, mm. Hoffer's The True Believer, and Timothy Sandifer's The Conscience of the Constitution. That's some pretty good company to be in if you're Tim Sandifer. No kidding. I, wow. That's some pretty, pretty heavy company to be mentioned with. So congratulations to Tim the Lawyer on that. Tim and I are close. We text all the time, mostly about Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Ah, the pomp, the circumstance, Trump touring London. Also, we've got discord among Dems at their California convention and a Jeopardy update coming up. I feel like I'm like a pet dog for Tim Sandifer. I'm uh, I'm affectionate. I'm cheerful, generally speaking, but kind of dumb. Which is fine. I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Armstrong and Getty. Available right now. Via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty, extra large, featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. This month, this week, uh, marks the 30-year anniversary of the Tiananmen Square. That's in China. Um, Protests followed by slaughter, which has mostly been erased from the history of China. And many of the people in China China. don't don't even know what happened. And even if they do know what happened, they don't ever say anything out loud about it because you'd be immediately arrested. Oh, yeah. Um, It's one of the unmentionables, literally. Yeah. We can talk about that, among other things, coming up. But right now, the news with Marshall Phillips. Ah, yes, the pomp, the circumstance. (laughs) President Trump and the First Lady getting a royal welcome at Buckingham Palace. Welcomed by the Queen, Prince Charles, and his wife hours after they arrived in London for their three-day visit. Yeah, remember when we said we wanted freedom, they shot at us. Never forget. The Queen keeps getting tinier and tinier. Yes. She's She's so tiny now. One thing the president is reportedly very unhappy about is limited access to U.S. news. Now, Fox News is his preferred network, and Trump says after watching CNN, is what, which he can only get uh, there while he's in London, he watched it for a short while, he turned it off, and in a tweet, Trump said, all negative and so much fake news, very bad for the U.S. You know, that is a pretty interesting point that I hadn't thought of. CNN, because of... What it started as so many years ago mm-hmm. is still the channel that's on all over the world. But it's not what it used to be. It's one of the highly partisan channels. If you had only Fox in some country or only CNN or MSNBC, you'd have an incredibly skewed view 
of what's going on in the United States. That is troubling. People all the time comment that the network on an airport's all over America is CNN. Why? For reasons that are, what, 30 years old? At least. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. CNN is terrible right now. But if I, you... I listen to it way more than most people just because I'm curious to hear the take and hear what the headlines are being discussed on my way in, in the morning, but they're awful. I mean, they're they're partisan hacks. They're cutesy. They're they're nasty. It's just, it's awful, and that is the impression of America that most people around the world get. That's rough. Democratic presidential hopefuls tried to use a California gathering to craft themselves a better position to try and win the White House. Uh, Fourteen Democratic candidates spent the weekend courting thousands of activists at the state Democratic Party convention, learning firsthand left is good. Centrist is bad among California Democrats. Democratic uh, 2020 contender, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, was booed at the convention after saying, If we want to beat Donald Trump and achieve big progressive goals, socialism is not the answer. I was reelected. I was reelected in a purple state in 2014. One of the worst years for Democrats in a quarter century. And the booing goes on for at least another 40 seconds, maybe minute. Yeah, that was I, quite something. I am horrified and surprised by that, but I would like to know what the every one of those people booing. Define socialism for me in two sentences. What are they talking about? Maybe they're talking about something different than I'm talking about. Yeah, the, the term is so lost meaning or has so many meanings for so many people. Some people just mean a slightly bigger welfare state than we have now, democratic socialism. But the problem is these things are difficult to stop. Once you achieve a certain level of government control and redistribution of wealth like we have right now, the, the temptation to just let it go further and further is irresistible because the takers outnumber the makers. And, and, and we vote on stuff. I got a question about that. I'll save it for later. Ah, maybe maybe right. you can answer it for me. I don't. What is socialism and what is not? You can ask me that. There's some You're pretty. Not going to like the answer. There's some pretty. <laughs> there's some pretty astounding booing there, though. I mean, that was not. Oh yeah. Uh, because sometimes when you yeah. hear somebody got booed, you think, well, there might have been a couple of boos. I don't know. There's also yeah. a lot of claps. So no, that was just a whole bunch of booing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, the progressive West, and I say this to the rest of America, is so off the rails you cannot even believe it. Now we've got a very important North Korea purge update for you. The senior North Korean official who was reported to be purged over a failed nuclear summit with President Trump has appeared in public. <laughs> sitting I'm not a, dead yet. <laughs> sitting a few seats from leader Kim Jong-un. A report, wow. a report in How the North. The video is this guy wearing like a rubber mask or something? Like, is it, <laughs> does he move at any point? I'm skeptical <laughs> of all this. Is this some sort of weekend at Bernie's type deal yeah, here? I don't know what's how skilled on? the embalmers are in North Korea, but go on, Marshall. Last week, a South Korean newspaper citing an unnamed source reported the North's former top nuclear negotiator had been punished, and even other officials had been executed for the failed summit. So he has popped back up. All right then. And I think I think all sources in North Korea are unnamed sources. <laughs> yes. You don't want to put your name to your leaks. <laughs> That's a bad idea. But our government was looking into it. I mean, Pompeo yep. was taking it. Our Secretary of State was taking it pretty seriously. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it's not true. Apparently, I guess no. But it's not unbelievable. No. Oh no. No. Nobody said what when they heard it. Right. 
There are unconfirmed reports now that James Holzhauer's historic run on Jeopardy has ended. Right over your shoulder, I'm looking at the early show where it says Jeopardy record in sight. They must have different info than so you. So there are leaks. What appears to be leaked online footage shows Holtzauer finally being defeated after winning 32 straight episodes and ranking in nearly $2.5 million. However, there is no indication of when Holtzauer's apparent defeat would air. Okay. A lot of people are saying, is this just part of Jeopardy's continuing push for ratings by putting right. out this information? That could be a, uh, not a deep fake, but a, a, a head fake by Jeopardy. That'd be super smart. Yeah. All yeah. sorts of people tuning in to see if tonight's the night. Right. They probably taped that. with. Uh, that would be so clever. The Golden State Warriors striking back in the NBA Finals. Back to Iguodala. Iguodala puts it up. It's good. Andre Iguodala drills it with five. Remaining. Nailing the key three-pointer in the final seconds. Steph Curry very nearly threw the ball away there. I mean, that was yeah. just... That was so... In fact, I thought oh, yeah. it was stolen. Oh, what's and that name? was a two-point uh, game. Yeah. Livingston uh, saved the day. Mm-hmm. Sean, Sean Livingston, Livingston yeah. yeah. But that very very oh. close went to the other direction. They say Steph Curry was ill or something last yeah, night. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Play well, but, uh, who are they playing, Marshall? Uh, the Toronto Raptors? That's two stories in a row involving Canadians. We have rules around here. <laughs> We have quotas. It's too many Canadians. But one of the Warriors Hall of Famers is that could barely walk at the end of the game. Yeah. So how many players can you lose and continue to win? And not the one who already couldn't Played walk. Time. A right. different one. But yeah. they they got to they got to win three more games. Yeah. I'm not sure they got the personnel to pull it off. Steve Kerr is going to have to suit up. That'd oh cool. yeah. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That's the conscience of the nation. Yeah, I'll ask you my question about socialism. You say I'm not going to like the answer. Hey, and listen, I, I I was doing a little research for the deadliest animals thing and, and coming across uh, various uh, uh, war statistics, trying to figure out if humans were really in first place, because we're dang close. I mean, humans might be more dangerous than mosquitoes to other humans, um, but I came across currently... I certainly hate when either bite me. Uh, uh, current figures for armed conflicts going around going on around the world right now, and I was blown away okay. by the statistics. And we need to talk about the new heavyweight champion of the world, which used to be a big deal. Puts the heavy back in heavyweight. What's huh? this guy's name? Weighs 700 pounds. Ruiz, isn't it? Anthony Ruiz? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about him. Finally, a fat heavyweight champion. Yes. We can all get behind. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast, available now on the iHeart and Apple podcast apps. The Armstrong and Getty Show. But what do you know, man? I'm the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. In what they're calling a setback for physical fitness... <laughs> Andy Ruiz is now the heavyweight champion of the world of boxing. Anthony. Anthony Ruiz. What did I call him? Andy. Um, having defeated the previous champion. Andy Ruiz is the guy's Anthony name. Joshua. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm wrong. Turn off his mic. It's off. <laughs> so, you didn't know that the heavyweight champion of the world was Anthony Joshua. I didn't. <laughs> neither did you. I didn't know they were fighting. Um, but some 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 fat guy named Andy now, Ruiz now, Jr. Wait a minute, that's an unflattering picture. <laughs> He's it's you know how you bob up and down in boxing. That's a down. 
and everything. I tell you what, I just watched the complete highlights package from the fight. Andy Ruiz of beautiful Imperial California is uh, uh, he he has a bit of fat on him, but dude is quick as I'm not going to say Ali. Because Ali was quicker than anybody. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a thing to say. But he was—he is <laughs> flashing punches fast. But so, do I understand correctly that this is one of those? He's like an NFL lineman. He's incredibly fit and strong, and he's got some extra blubber on. Him. Well, he's easily the fattest heavyweight champion we've ever had. Uh, uh, George Foreman is pretty fat. Yeah, the second Foreman, time around, but, but, but this when guy, he was forty something, yeah. he's—you get a lot of comparisons to to Butterbean in terms of body type. But that Wrong. Butterbean was a a brawler and kind of a tough man competitor who was more of a bouncer than a boxer. This guy, this could he bring knows this, the sweet science. This yeah. could bring the sport back. Yeah, you could see getting behind rooting for this big fat guy. And then watching his fights. Now, do I understand correctly? This wasn't supposed to be a, really a challenging fight. No, this no. was one of those Huge you underdog. let the heavyweight champion fight somebody every now and then to make a little money. And uh, all right, sure, uh, pad his record too. Uh, let me stop there, it. There you go. We've got our. Uh, we've got a fat. He looks white, but he's Hispanic. Yeah, Mexican. Um, he's a uh, white Hispanic. Jack, as they say in the slicing everybody thin like you're a Nazi, uh, everybody's got to be one thing or another game. I, I will watch his next fight if somebody lets me uh, makes me aware. So listen to this. Both these dudes are 29 years old who fought. Anthony Joshua and Andy Rue is the new champion. Uh, Joshua chiseled 6'6", 248 pounds. Wow. Okay? Rue is 6'2", Almost 270 pounds. He's four inches shorter than the the guy he beat and 20 pounds heavier. And had, is that math right? Eight inches less reach in boxing. Eight inches shorter arms than the man he beat. He can reach a donut, but he couldn't reach. Well, uh, He would come in here Tell and without ba- ba- breaking a sweat, <laughs> which happens a lot, I would imagine. He he would he would whoop your hiney. Well, I don't doubt that. He and I would. would th- so you're talking big behind that microphone, aren't you? <laughs> well, I didn't say I could best him in a fight. I said he's fat, and he is. And as I laid in a puddle of my own it's blood, easy for you to say behind that microphone. <laughs> as I laid in a puddle of my own blood and teeth, I would say right. you're still fat. I mean, my argument... This doesn't make you non-fat. And it's not a value judgment either. It's just you don't generally see athletes in boxing look like that. I tell you what, the the big dude, the champion, would throw some pretty solid punches, and then Ruiz would come back with these blindingly fast flurries of punches. And it ran... How many rounds did it? Well, seventh round. In the seventh round, he was throwing blindingly fast flurries of punches. Anybody who's ever watched heavyweight boxing, which is generally older people because nobody cares anymore, it used to be by like the fourth round, they were leaning against each other, huffing and puffing, and throwing occasional lazy overhand lobs at each other when they gathered up enough steam. No, this guy was still going like a like an engine. He's in just that tiny little clip we heard of him. He seems like the sort of guy that's going to be on Kimmel or something and become oh, yeah. a bit of a star. Yeah. I love that he's got the I I can knock people cold with my hands, but he sounds like oh this is great that I'm I'm a fighter and yeah. I was really looking for it. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> here's a longer clip of a. We've been working really hard, man, really hard, and I feel. I wanted to prove everybody wrong, all the doubters, thinking that I was going to lose in the third round, first round. 
I was looking at comments as well. But what do you know, man? I'm the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. Well, I tell you, yeah. Here's one uh, bit of news you can use about this guy. Um, they mentioned that Mexicans, generally speaking, uh, boxing's huge among Mexican-Americans and Mexican fans, but it's usually usually the lower weight classes, um, you know, all sorts of famous boxers who I won't bore you with. But um, it was like 15 to 1 in a lot of gambling houses against this guy, which makes me want to bet like every heavyweight boxing match ever. Because um, if a fifteen to one shot could win decisively, this guy—well, he was thirty-two and one. He'd mostly fought palookas. They say he wasn't fighting world-class the, guys. The heavyweight champ or the the new guy? The new guy. The new guy had mostly fought lesser guys, so nobody knew how good he was. Mm. I was Marsh, a Marshall ought to be betting on boxing. Mm. This guy has to come out with a grill like George Foreman. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he has. He to. knows what he's talking about, or like a uh, a deep fryer. <laughs> <laughs> his grills are already he taken. knows what he's talking about of course it's easy for me to talk behind his microphone <laughs> yeah i'm not saying he's not like a wrecking ball of a human being I'm, dude's carrying a few extra pounds as am i although a few less I'm working at it and you said the key was eating less, you ate and, less. and getting regular exercise yeah. yeah 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 and frankly i love the wine man man i love wine uh, and I was uh, having a couple of glasses every night. It's just it's too many calories, too many carbs. So I've, I'm not so for I got, now. I got a question about socialism. I have a cheat night, though, and when I do, stay out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pro-intoxication. I'm just not pro-getting fat. You and Ruiz going to go out on the town. Oh. <laughs> Tear it up. Look out. He'll be hammering down, I don't know, churros or whatever he enjoys. and Hams. It's, it's a sucking down wine like it's water. So we, we stay out of our way. This clip's getting a lot of play, and it should. This is uh, John Hickenlooper, who wasn't going to become president or anything because he watches porn with his mom. But anyway, oh boy. he's a uh, governor of Colorado, eh, according to some reports. He used to be. Here he is in San Francisco on Saturday. If we want to beat Donald Trump and achieve big progressive goals, socialism is not the answer. I was re-elected. I was re-elected in a purple state in 2014, one of the worst years for Democrats in a quarter century. That's... Keeping in mind he's in San Francisco, if he said we need flamboyant gay men in leather jock straps dancing on the South Lawn of the White House, he'd have been cheered, you know? Go ahead. I've been doing uh, doing a lot of reading about uh, socialism and this and that, and I read a lot about China and the Soviet Union and everything like that. And one thing that I never hear mentioned, and this is one of the things I really picture with socialism being one of the real downsides that seems like is growing greatly in this country, but I don't understand how it factors in. And it's just the bureaucracy and paperwork and crap that goes along with it. Yeah. Not state-owned anything or, or, or whatever, getting into those definitions. But just the amount of paperwork involved with everything, mm-hmm. and you have more of it in California than you have in Idaho, and your 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 bigger government states, people like big government. What what is that aspect of socialism, and how do you how do you fight that? What do you even call that? Do you call that socialism? Does it just come with socialism? Yes. Is it just part of? It's just a side effect of socialism. Yeah. Well, that's a great question, Tim Sandifer, who name has come up a couple of times today. 
Uh, Tim Sandifer is absolutely brilliant on that topic about how as government's in charge of more and more and more, you have to deal with the government more and more and more. But government, number one, it does not reward success. It rewards failure. And so you've got a bunch of uh, jaded, unmotivated, cynical, impossible-to-fire bureaucrats who you have to deal with for everything, for food, for your rent, for insurance, for for movies, for for recreation, for parks, for everything. And, and it becomes a miserable, abusive, d- disgusting way to beg your way through life. Right, and that's what I think of so much with socialism is just the amount of crap they lay on everybody all the time. And I just, I don't see how that's ever going to go away. Mm-hmm. And especially you got younger generations coming up thinking it's normal. It was on my mind because I went by the swimming pool yesterday. Swimming pool's open, the, the county pool, or the, the city pool. And they're going to take my kids this week probably. And I've told the story about how now, if some kid has an incident of any kind, like he's splashing around in the water, lifeguard comes over and grabs him by the arm, pulls him aside, you okay? They shut down the pool, all the lifeguards come over and fill out paperwork for like 20 minutes. Oh my god! That's the sort of stuff that I'm talking about that, oh. that seems to go along with socialism and and that sort of a, an outlook of the world. Right. That just just kills my will to live. Wow. Now, I know where you live, and you're kind of on the leading edge of that sort of thing, but that's a brilliant example. Right. Just wow, crap. Just crap paperwork. It's a weird <laughs> parallel to we were talking about the one-child policy in China, how it's the local uh, apparatchiks, the officials, who are the most brutal because they're getting the pressure from above. It's Well, that's a manifestation of it. They don't want to fill out a report that says there was a problem and they don't know what happened. Just bogged down in crap. That's yeah. my fear with socialism. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs>